Alright, notice uh, go on verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Notice what it says, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Okay, so notice a few things there. You are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. That's not what purchased you. That's not what bought you. It was the precious blood of Jesus. And it wasn't just the silver and gold. I think y'all know about that. But you know, it wasn't from the vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers. I'm gonna, and I'm going to say a little bit about that here in a little bit. But what, I want to be, what I'm going to be talking about today, I want to ask the question, are you someone who is reformed? Or are you someone who's been redeemed? Are you reformed or are you redeemed? There is a difference. And in the Bible, we, don't, we see that word redeemed used quite a bit. We hear that we were redeemed by Jesus Christ. We sang the songs uh, about being redeemed. Okay, and that is a that is a great word, one that's a Bible word. And one of the major problems I believe we're seeing in religion today, and in churches, is that you know people are filled with or churches are filled with people that have been reformed, but they've not been redeemed. These people they've changed. You know they've fixed certain things in their life. They've had a reformation in their life, but these people are not saved. And you can tell by the very testimony that they give. When a lot of people today, when you ask them, hey, how do you know you're saved? And I'm talking about church people. What do they do? They talk about their reformation. They talk about their changed life. They talk about, I used to do this and I quit doing that. And they never talk about Jesus Christ. They never talk about their faith. And there's a huge difference and what those who have been reformed say and those who have been redeemed say. And we're going to show you what the Bible says and what the, uh, what the redeemed should say versus what a reformed person says. Because you, you can have all the reformation you want. You're, that's not going to save you. You can clean your life up the best you can. It's not going to save you. The only thing that will clean your sin up is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's it. And listen, I hope you have a reformation in your life. I hope you have a reformation in 2018. I hope you have a better year this year than you had last year. But I hope you don't think that that reformation is going to save you because it won't. It'll help you have a better year. It'll help you have a better life. But it will not save you. And I'm afraid today pastors are more interested in seeing people reformed than redeemed. Because when we see people reformed, it gives us an opportunity to glory in their flesh. Hey, you know, look at all these people in my church. Look at how they dress. Look at how they act. Look at how they look. You know, the, those things can make me look good. But you know, at the same time, people, preachers who are out getting people saved left and right today, they're often scoffed at. Those who are, you know, telling people how to be redeemed, they're often being criticized. I saw it just this morning a pastor friend of mine. They just had a soul winning marathon, got a bunch of people saved, and some morons out there in social media talking about how. You know, these people didn't really get saved, you know, because there wasn't a reformation. And the thing is, they just got saved yesterday. I don't know what he was expecting to happen in one day. But at the same time, too, you know, it, it doesn't go off. The, I listened to I just watched a clip this morning of a preacher talking about like this two cent salvation. You know, like, it was, you know, this cheap salvation. It's like, how dare he say it's a two cent salvation? It's free, not two cents. If you pay two cents for it, you're not going to get it. If you pay two dollars for it, you're not going to get it. Because you know what? We're not redeemed with corruptible things. 
It's salvation. It is free. We were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, two cent salvation. What in the world was he thinking when he said that? But that's just how messed up people are. What he was trying to say was cheap. These people, they didn't do anything and they think that they got saved. And that's what that one guy was saying. I think he said, he said something along the lines of, I, sh- I should have had it written up here so I, I could have quoted it exactly right. But I mean, he was basically implying salvation's not free. You know, that, you know it's, it's not just about a decision you make. You know, you got you to do something. That is a lie. I mean, that's, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. And, you know, if I can get a lot of people reformed, you know, I'll look like a big shot in the religious world. But if, if you do, if you just are getting people redeemed, you'll get scoffed at. But you know what? Reformation doesn't save anybody. And I'm tired of hearing these preachers, too, always talking about the great reformers, you know, of the past who tried to reform the Catholic Church. I mean, and first of all, they didn't succeed, for one. All those churches that came out of the Reformation, all they did is brought a bunch of Catholic junk with them. And, and these, those religions that came out of that, they don't even preach salvation right. And they're always praising these great reformers that came out of the Catholic Church. Well, what about those who never went into the Catholic Church? What about those who were never a part of the Catholic Church? Shouldn't we be listening to those people? But no, they want to talk about these great reformers. And one thing they all have in common is if you didn't fix your life up, if you didn't have some reformation, you're not really saved. And I do. I believe reformation is good. But I don't believe for one second it saves anyone. And the term redeemed, you know, it means ransomed, delivered from bondage, distress, penalty, liability, or from the possession of another. You can just see in the definition of that word, the term redeemed, it just implies that we were somewhere that we couldn't get out of. We were held by something that we could not conquer, but somebody else came along and got us out of that mess. And that was Jesus Christ. He purchased us with His own blood. The Bible is very clear about that. And the only people that are going to heaven are those who have been redeemed, not those who have been reformed. Alcoholics Anonymous is helping reform people from certain things. You know, there's lots of things that we've been reformed of. All of us in here, you probably have some bad habits in the past. Just because you got rid of those bad habits doesn't mean you're saved. We might have some in here that you used to be a drunk and you're not a drunk anymore. That doesn't mean you got saved just because you had that reformation. It's like, you know, how much stuff do you have to get rid of? Nobody ever wants to give an accurate definition. You know, but at the same time, we see in the Bible that if we're going to get to heaven through the works of the law, we've got to get rid of all the sin. And none of us have ever done that. But we've all, all of us have had some kind of reformation. You know, we have that our whole life. It's just called growing up. You know, some of you, one time, you know, you had a reformation from picking your notes. You know, something you did as a little kid and somebody fixed that. You know, they straightened you out on that. Didn't mean you got saved. Just means you grew up. You know, some of you used to act like idiots and morons and used to do crazy things maybe when you were a teenager. Alright, and then you got reformed. You saw somebody get hurt and you learned your lesson. That's not salvation. That's just called growing up. That's called common sense. And I am, I am convinced today that churches are filled with the reformed, but not the redeemed. And so let's look at some of the differences. How can we tell the difference by those who are reformed versus those who have been redeemed? Well, look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. It's real clear. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of preachers, there's a lot of King James Baptist preachers today that are reformed, but I don't believe they're redeemed. And you can tell 
just by the way they preach and the things that they say. And Romans 3.23 says, For all, uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, very clear. We all know that verse. But then verse 24, it says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Y'all say that we were redeemed freely for us. Okay, not for Jesus Christ. It cost Him everything. It cost Him His life. He had to shed His blood. But it says right here in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, that we have been justified freely. Justification, that is what proves that we are saved. I, I need some kind of proof that I have been redeemed. Okay? So, for example, if you... You know, we were, like, it, it, we were a slave at one time to sin. And we have been redeemed. We've been purchased. We've been bought. Okay? And we don't know much in this country today. We don't own people in this country. But there was a time when you did. And if somebody redeemed you, if somebody freed you, there would often be some way or something you would have, some kind of credentials to show that you had, in fact, been redeemed. And justification. Alright, the Bible teaches that we are justified freely by the blood of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means what proves that we are saved, it's not our works, it's His blood. So, what I, so, so how do I do? What, are, what, what can I do to show you that I'm saved? What am I supposed to do to show you that I am a Christian, that I am in fact redeemed? If you come along and ask Tommy, I don't think you're saved. Well, why not? You know, and then I tell you, well, this is, this is how I'm saved. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. His blood cleansed me of my sins. You know what a redeemed person does? They point you to the blood of Jesus Christ. But you know what a reformer does? They start talking about all the things they used to do. Well, let me tell you about my past. Let me tell you the stuff I used to be involved in. Let me tell you, take you down memory lane. And then they go and they tell you a whole bunch of dramatic stories about all the things that they used to do that they don't do anymore. I gave up all those things and I, and they, and then what do they do? They question everybody else who doesn't have the same testimony that they do. I worry about some of you. I wouldn't go as far as saying you're not saved if you didn't change like I did, but I worry about you. What are they doing? They're implying it. I listen to, I, I, I've been, you know, and I've been studying a certain specific group of people. All right. We've got a special project that we're working on and I'm scheduling with a specific group of people. Uh, we call them the camp meeting preachers. All right. And, a hundred percent of them have southern accents, all right? So listen, I'm not making fun of southern people. I love southern people. I wish I had a southern accent. But I've lived in Illinois all my life. I've always told my wife, southerners are the ones who talk right. Northerners talk wrong. I make fun of how northern she is all the time. But I'm the same way too. She gets mad at me when we go down south. I try to... That's the one time I'm a hypocrite. When I'm down south, I try to pretend I'm one of them, man. I talk with a southern accent. I talk about us southerners. And I talk about when round two of the war between the states gets going, we're going to win it this time, you know, and she gets all mad and like, you know, you're, you're so phony, but I, I love Southerners. But let me tell you, that camp meeting crowd, there's a bunch of garbage that is being preached down there and it is infecting churches in this area. And so when I'm imitating these people, I'm going to have a Southern accent. I can't help it. All right. It's, it's not making fun of Southerners. But the 100% of these camp meeting preachers, they do. They've got that southern accent. And I just always worried about some of you. You can't even get into church. Your, sal you know, your salvation won't even get you in the house of God. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to get you into heaven. What are they doing? They're saying, you are not justified in my sight. You are not, you are not justified to me. There's no way you're saved. Because look at your works. 
And then what do they do? They tell you about their works. You know what those people are? They're reformers. They're not redeemed. They are not redeemed. These people, they're, they want to talk about their works. The Bible says that we have been justified freely. It didn't cost us anything. We were purchased by the blood of Jesus. And that's what a saved person talks about. You know, I, you know these things that these guys get up and talk about and say, you know, that they used to do, that they don't do anymore. Well, you know what? I try. I don't want to speak as a fool, alright? I do the best I can not to talk about myself when I'm preaching. But you know, if I may speak as a fool for just a moment, most of these things these guys talk about, I never have done them. So, does that mean I never even needed to get saved? No, because I was still a sinner too. Why? Because when they're preaching another sermon, they'll, they'll admit how you know if you're, you've committed any sin, any transgression of the law makes you a sinner. Any transgression of the law means you need to get saved. And it would be foolish for me to get up and say, well, you know what? I never drank. I never smoked. I never did none of that stuff. I never cussed. So what did I even need to get saved for? I was already saved. Why do you need to get born again when you've already been born? You know, I mean, I, I didn't do none of that stuff. Well, that would be foolish for me to do that because while I haven't done any of those things they're talking about, I have done other things that are still sinful in the eyes of God. I am a transgressor of the law. And so it would be equally foolish for me. It would, you know, if these guys could get up and say, if you didn't give up your liquor, if you didn't get into church, if you didn't do this, you didn't do that, it would be ridiculous for those people to say, or just like it's ridiculous for them to say, that would be ridiculous for me to get up too. All I, I, I'd be doing the same thing if I, if I just went and, you know, those of you that didn't go to church your whole life, those of you that weren't born in church, those, you know, and just started just basically raising the standard higher. And that's what they all do. And the truth is, I don't like to talk about those things because my works don't matter. You know what matters is the object of my faith, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's His blood. And these people, they're not talking about that. They're talking about their reformation, but reformation doesn't save anybody. The blood of Jesus Christ saves. If reformation could save people, why did Jesus need to die on the cross? He needed to die on the cross because we couldn't save ourselves. And we've got to put our faith and trust in Him. But look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. I'm convinced that most of the heresy that's being preached in Baptist churches today would go away if pastors would just start studying the book of Romans. I mean, almost everything the garbage is being taught today is because these guys, they only use the select verses from the Romans road, and that's all they know from Romans. But Romans 8, verse 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. I'm waiting for something to change in my life. I'm waiting to see that physical change that comes at the rapture. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is not seen, or hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience 
Wait for it. You know what he's saying right here? You know what the saved person does? You know what the redeemed person is doing? We are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. You know what the redeemed person does? We look at our body right now and we admit that it's vile. We talk, like Paul said, our vile body. We're looking for that change of our vile body into one like His glorious body. You know what a redeemed person does? They talk about how vile they are. The redeemed person talks about what they are going to be one of these days. That redeemed person, they have that hope that when Jesus Christ returns, the Bible says we are going to be changed for we shall see Him as He is. We're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we're looking forward to that. We have the hope of that. And so those of us who are redeemed that understand that we are in a vile body right now, you know what we get excited about? We get excited about what is to come. We get excited about what God is going to turn us into. We're not proud of this. We're not, you know, we're not bragging about what we are and what we've done. I thank God for the things that He's helped me improve in my life and the things He's helped me accomplish in my body. But I would never get up in the church service and brag about those things because in the eyes of God, I'm still sinful and I'm waiting for Him to redeem this vile body and make it into one like His glorious body. But you know what the reformers do? The reformed, they're always looking backward at the change that's already happened. You go to these camp meetings and the one, I mean, at the camp meetings too, that's where people like to run around and jump and holler and all that stuff. And I, I'm not against some shouting, alright? And listen, if you ever really do feel led of the Lord to you know, jump up and shout or something like that, I'm not going to throw you out of the church for it, alright? You know, I'm not going to say it's ever wrong to do a lap around the auditorium, okay? I'm not going to tell you that's wrong. I'm not going to tell you that's a sin. But you know what I, I've seen as I study these people? The things that gets people running around the auditorium, that gets them jumping up and down and whooping and screaming and hollering, it's when they're preaching about their reformation, when they start talking about their change. Well, I thank God I ain't what I used to be. I thank God that I'm not, you know, I'm not that drunk anymore. I thank God He's put me, you know, He's changed my life and made me so wonderful and so special. And just look at me, this great example of what a Christian is. And those of you that aren't like me, I don't think you're saved. What, what is that? That's called bragging. That's called glorying in themselves. And they do, man. They go and they tell you that story about back when I was sitting in jail. Sitting in there in jail, got in trouble with the law, fighting with the police. I heard a preacher one time, and I, you know, I was out one time, me and my buddies, we got caught in the cornfield sniffing glue. You know, <laughs> the police can't, you know, Cop came around after, but thankfully he was so fat he couldn't catch. You know, he couldn't catch me or something. Like that. He's, he's talking about these things, and and they do, and they they talk about all these changes that took place, and they brag on it. And I hate to do this, but I'm about ready to start doing it with some of these guys when they get up and they just start bragging about their change and talking about all that God has done in my life and all that God has done in my body. And those of you that aren't like that, you're not saved. One of these days, I just want to go up to these people and say, really? And that, So you don't think God cares and just start talking about all their problems that they still have? You don't think God cares that you're a big, pompous idiot? You don't think that God cares that you don't know a thing about the Bible? You don't understand the doctrines of salvation? You don't think God cares about just how lazy you are? You don't think... I can tell you didn't study for this sermon one bit. There's one preacher I've been studying. I'm telling you, this guy... He just takes any verse and he just starts reading 
And, and he called it expository preaching. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some expository preaching this, this evening. And he went and he started... He, and he, expository preaching is where you go verse by verse and you expound on what is being said. You, know, you look at context of things. But that is not what this guy did. He thought he was doing expository preaching because he hit eight verses in this message. And he's reading and he would get to a trigger word... And he would just run off and start telling all these stories. Oh, look at Jesus has got mentioned right there. You know, let me talk about Jesus. And he just kept getting distracted. And nothing he preached about had anything to do with those eight verses he read. And he calls it Holy Ghost preaching. And what that means is I'm just going to start reading. And if something jumps out at me, I'm going to start preaching on it. And they, they call it Holy Ghost preaching. And it's, you know what that is? That's called laziness. And I just want to bring it, bring it up to these people. You don't think God cares about your laziness. You don't think God cares about your pride. God threw Lucifer out of heaven for pride. And here you are telling everybody else that they're not saved because they don't measure up to you. And there you are. I mean, you're full of pride. And God obviously doesn't care about that. How come God didn't change that? You all like to run your mouth about all things become new. All things become new. Yeah, except you didn't fix your pride problem. You know, he did, you know, I read a story, this one, this one preacher I know, before he got saved, he was drinking, he was doing drugs at an extremely young age. But then he got saved and he quit doing those things. But then he started eating and eating and got up to over 600 pounds. You know, that's not a change. That's the same thing, just different drug, as you could say. You know, that, that's not a change. And these people... They brag on themselves all the time, but the redeemed, we look forward to the change that's coming. We're not going to brag on ourselves. We're not going to brag. You know, if, and if God fixes something in your life and helps you, we praise God for that. But none of us who are really saved are going to get up and go bragging about it and start doing dances like these guys do. Yeah, I'm talking about big fat guys up on the pulpit doing dances because of how God changed their life. Well, you think if he'd have made all things new, he'd have taught you a few new dance steps or something, all right? Because that dance stinks, all right? That's lame, not, not very impressive. It is, it's just, it's, it's sad. But the reform, they're always looking backward at the change that already happened. And I'm telling you, I've got evidence after evidence of these guys doing that, and that is wrong. We should not do that. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 says, But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised that God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The redeemed glory in the Lord. We brag on the Savior. We're not going to get up and talk about ourselves. We're going to brag on the Savior, but the reformed glory in themselves. And one of the things that these people like to do too, I've seen tracks before where you know the track has the before and after picture of the person, you know, from before they got saved to where they are now. You know, look at this long-haired hippie. You know, one day, this is that, that same distinguished-looking preacher. That's him. Like, that's salvation. 
Well, you know what? That looks great and I love seeing that kind of change. But you know, that distinguished looking preacher in the nice suit with the nice haircut, you realize that in the eyes of God, he's filthy rags still. So why would we do that? Why would we make a church track telling people how to get saved with a before and after picture of somebody? Is that what people have to measure up to? Is that what you need to do? Why would I do that? Why would I tell a big long story about who I was and what I am now? Listen, that makes for great reading. Okay? It might make some lady cry when she's reading that story and hearing about all the things that you know happened. But what's going to save somebody is faith in Jesus Christ. And you know how many people we talk to when we're out soul winning? I see this all the time. Where it's like you're giving them the plan of salvation. A lot of times they're not saying a whole lot, you know. And I, I like to try to get people talking to find out where they're at. And it's like, yeah, they're they're saying they agree with everything I'm saying about salvation being a free gift. And you know, like, well, you know, you want to call on the Lord, and no, they don't want to call on the Lord. And why is that? Why would you not call on the Lord? Why would you not just ask for the free gift if you understand it's a free gift? Well, the truth is because they don't really get it. A lot of times they're saying they do, but they don't. And if you can get them talking, you know what I usually hear them say many times is, I'm not ready to make that change yet. You know what they're saying? Even though we, I didn't tell them you got to change your life in order to be saved. That's not what I told them. But it's what they've heard at every church they've ever been to. It's what they've heard all their life. It's what they hear from the TV preachers. They've seen the movies. They've seen the stories. They have the muddy salvation plan that make it like you've got to change your life. It's like, hey, it's about faith in Jesus Christ. These people, they understand that they're in bondage to sin. And it's like they're like, I can't break out of that. I can't quit doing that. That's why we call on the Lord. And that's why we trust in His righteousness. And then after that, He can help us. But these people, it's in their heads still that no, I've got to be willing to reform. or I and, and they know they're not capable of reforming. And so what do they do? They, they end up rejecting it because it's just not registering. But boy, when people get it, when people get it and they understand it, you know what they take it as? They take that as good news. You mean I don't have to work my way to heaven? I don't have to be good? You mean those things I've done in the past aren't going to be held against me? You mean even if I mess up, I'm still going to be saved just because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ? That's called good news. You know what? It's bad news is when somebody comes up to you and tells you, hey, if you don't do this and this and this and this, you're not going to heaven. But the gospel is good news. But what these people are preaching today, it's not good news, it's bad news. But boy, they sure make it sound good when they're up there jumping and dancing and whooping and hollering and glorying in themselves. Glorying in their changed lives. But the Bible says that's not what we're supposed to do. He said that no flesh should glory in His presence. God chose the foolish things in the world. You know what, God? I'm afraid that and what I'm seeing happening in this country today is God's quit using these big palatial churches. They're not being used anymore. They're not accomplishing anything. They're just big community fund centers you know what God's using to get people saved? It's the small churches. It's the little people. And you know what? Everybody's scoffing at it. And everybody's looking at it. You know why? It's because it is kind of a foolish thing to use. Shouldn't the bigger church be able to accomplish more than the little church? Wouldn't that just make sense? But how often does God do what makes sense? I mean, didn't the big army sound better, like it worked better than the little army in the story of Gideon? But God wanted to use the little army, didn't He? 
And God's using the small churches. God's using the nobodies, the people who don't have the college degrees, the people who don't have the pedigrees, the people who don't have, you know, all the things going for them that don't have the charisma. You know, I don't have the eloquence. I don't have the looks. I don't have the brains. But you know what? Thank God He's using our church and we're seeing people saved. And I believe God's going to keep using that because you know what? When we accomplish something, or when something gets accomplished and people are getting saved, where do you brag on that? Now, I still haven't figured out where you, where you brag, how you can brag on salvation. The Bible says it's not of works, lest any man should boast. God did it that way so nobody could brag because it would be foolish for us to brag about it. But people are bragging about it. You know why? Because they're preaching a false gospel. These people, I'm afraid they're not saved. And so the redeemed, they glory in the Lord. The reformed glory in themselves. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, but know that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. In other words, if you're going to get saved by the keeping of the law, you, that's got to be your life. You got to do them and you got to do all of them. But it says in verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The redeemed, they know they're saved because we have faith in God's Word. How do I know I'm saved? Look at what the Bible says. You know, I would probably get a bigger crowd. I would probably impress more people if I preached a salvation message and I gave you a big dramatic story about my changed life. But you know what? That's not where salvation is. You know how we know we're saved? It's by the Word of God. And you know why a lot of people today are struggling with assurance of their salvation? It's because they're listening to these camp meeting preachers that are telling them if they never changed, they're not really saved. And they're like... I still think bad thoughts sometimes. I still mess up. I still struggle with sin. I must not be saved. Oh, really? Where, where did the Bible say when you get saved, you're never going to want to do anything bad anymore? When does it say in the Bible that when you get saved, that you know, you're never going to sin again or that all your bad thoughts are going to go away? It never says that. But people are listening to these guys and, you know, and they'll talk... You know, They'll, they'll, you know, it's like they'll even say, I was never even tempted to go back and do those things anymore. First of all, I don't even believe them. But second of all, you know, most of these people's bad habits, they just got another bad habit. Oh, you know, I used to gamble. I used to try to get rich that way. Yeah, but okay, fine. You quit the gambling, but now you're getting rich from lying to people in camp meetings and getting big love offerings. You know, so you're no different. You're no different. You're just as big of a crook as you ever were. You know, and so I'm, I'm getting so tired of hearing this. I'm about ready to do it. I'm going to show up at one of these camp meetings one of these days. And you all back me up, all right? A lot, of these, a lot of these ones down south, they pack down there. So I've got to be careful. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I, I've had enough of this. And well, I said, we're working on it. We're, I'm, I'm going to expose this junk. I'm telling you, this is a bunch of garbage. And it is. It is ruining the minds of people to get them all messed up. But the redeemed, we know we're saved because we have faith in God's Word. That's what we go to. You know, I don't want to hear about your changed life. 
I want to hear you confess Jesus Christ. I determined not to know anything among you. Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Don't tell me about your works. You know, if somebody comes to this church, they want to be a member of our church, we like to get their salvation testimony. I don't ask them where they went to church before. I want to know their salvation testimony. Are they saved? Do they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? That's the important thing. But the Reformed, they think they're saved because of their keeping of the law. And they do. They start talking about, I haven't drank in 34 years, you know. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you've kept that law. You know what? Keeping that law has kept you sober for 34 years. Good job. You know? It's kept you from wasting a lot of money. It's made your life better. You know, it, it, because you did that. Good job. I'm glad you haven't smoked a cigarette in, you know, 20 years, you know, anything like that. I, I listened to a preacher one time while well, I said this, and I was glad he said this. I thought it was right. But he was talking about how, you know, not long after he got saved, he got convicted by the smoking and all that, and he ended up giving it up. He's like, I, I gave it up. And he's like, you know what? One still, still, sometimes I think it'd be nice to have one. <laughs> he's like, I've heard many people say that. It'd feel good to have a smoke about right now. You know? And why does he feel that way? You know why? Because he's got the same flesh. He's still got the same flesh. But you know what? He's walking in the Spirit. And he's not doing that, even though he wants to. He's not, you know, now if he goes to the wrong camp meeting, he's going to be going up to the altar and crying again, getting saved again, because I still have the desire to smoke. I didn't realize that, that went away when a person truly got saved. And I, I still want to smoke. I heard one preacher one time say, you know what? I know it's wrong for us to smoke, but I haven't found anything in the Bible against chewing yet. <laughs> and he was just being funny when he said that, you know, you know, but you know what he was saying? He was saying, I still desire those things. But he's like, I don't do it. And you are, even if you're saved, you're still going to desire some things that you shouldn't. But you know what? That's where we just walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the lust of the flesh are still going to be there. The last verse I want to show you, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Right here it says we've got to deny it. All right? It's not just going to happen on purpose. We're going to have to deny it. And it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. We see here that the redeemed have a blessed hope not that the rapture will come and all their problems will go away. The blessed hope is that one day we'll be like Christ. And when are we going to be like Christ? At the rapture, at His appearing. The redeemed, once again, they look at this body and they're not going to get up and brag. You know what the redeemed do? They're looking forward. They have that blessed hope. One of these days, I'm going to be like Christ. That The redeemed, they're going to go out and they're going to spread the gospel and they're not going to brag on themselves. Those people out there, they don't care. It doesn't really matter. You know what they're going to do? They're going to brag on Jesus Christ. And yeah, you bring up the fact that I'm not perfect either. I know, but one of these days I will be. I have that hope. One of these days I will be like Christ. But the Reformed, they have a false hope of a coming reward for all their reforming that they've done. Think about that. that that's what these people are expecting. These people think the rapture is going to come before any problems come their way, before any tribulation come their way. Because, man, they've, you know, their reforming is just so good. God's just so pleased with them. 
he's just going to come along and they're just going to just have rewards piled on them, but they're going to be humble and throw them right back at the feet of Jesus. That's the way they do it. But you know what? Their, their hope is a false hope. Because you know what? Their salvation is based on their reformation. And reformation doesn't save anybody. We must be redeemed. We must be purchased by Jesus Christ. And I am. I'm all for reformation. But do you realize that your best day of reformation was no better than Adam and Eve's fig leaves that they sewed together? Remember Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden that they, they then knew that they were naked. What did they do? They sewed fig leaves together. They made themselves apron. They tried to cover their own sins. And you know what they were doing? They were reforming. You know what they were doing? They were trying to, they were trying to make up for their sin. They were trying to cover their sin. They got a reformation then, but you know what? It wasn't good enough. God had to come along and He, he had to clothe them, didn't He? He he clothed them with coats of skin. God was the one that had to clothe them. Their clothing was not enough. They needed God to clothe them. And you know what? My reformation is not enough to save me. It's not enough to cover my sin. It's not going to clothe anything. You know what? I need to be clothed in His righteousness. In the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I I I need to be washed in His blood. That is the only thing that will save me. And you know what? When we do get saved, when the Holy Spirit moves in, if we will walk in the Spirit, you know what? We'll have a reformation. And it will be great. Our lives will be better. We will, we will, God can give us victory in our life over sin. You can give up those things that you used to do. But you know what? It's not a guarantee because the Bible says that if we walk in the Spirit, it says if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that means if we don't walk in the Spirit, we will fulfill the lust of the flesh. So then what's the difference? Well, one person's going to be rewarded in heaven. One's not going to be rewarded. One person's going to have a better life in this world. One's not going to have a better life. But salvation, it's not based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus Christ did. And it's clear in the Bible that those who are saved are those who are of faith. Those who put their trust in Him, those who've been justified without the works of the law, and that right there is the difference between the reformed and the redeemed. And so, when you do, when you're giving somebody the gospel, when you got somebody witnessing to you, or even if it's some preacher and they're telling you about how they got saved, if all they want to do is talk about their changed life, then you know what? I think you need to open your Bible and give them the gospel. Hey, hey, you know God's not impressed with your reformation. Do you know in the eyes of God you're still sinful? Okay, you never committed adultery, but you know to look at a woman with lust after you committed adultery in your heart? You're a sinner. You know what you need to do? You need to just call on the Lord. You need to put your faith and trust in Him for salvation. And that, and if you do that, if you'll have faith, He will redeem you. He will purchase you. He will cleanse you in His blood and you'll be able to go to heaven. And so with that, I hope that was a blessing and a help. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for sending Your Son to die and pay for our sins. Lord, we thank You that You redeemed us, Lord. It wasn't from the corruptible things. It wasn't from a vain conversation from the traditions of men. Lord, we've come up with some traditions in churches today and expectations, things that we want from everybody. We've tried to make those a basis of salvation. But Lord, You know those things are vain. They're nothing. Lord, that Your blood is the only thing that will save us. and It's our only hope of salvation. And I pray You'll help us all to realize that and spread the word on that. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and...